0: Hi, welcome to the Red Dot Nation podcast. My name is Warren Crank, and I'm here with Philip Cox, and we're gonna be talking about life and a few other things, including prayer, I think, towards the end. But at this moment, I would just like Philip to introduce himself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who he is. Hey, Warren.
1: Um, Yeah, well, my name is Philip Cox, and I I am so excited to be a part of the Red Dirt Nation podcast and family on this, uh, what is this, the inaugural close voyage, enough. <laughs> close enough, <laughs> towards the beginning at least. And so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's very exciting to be here. Um, I am from Nashville, Tennessee originally, from the States, and moved to Brisbane back in 2016 and we can kind of get into those circumstances a bit more i'm sure as we kind of go but uh but yeah i've been here for the last four years now and i loving living in australia it feels very much like home and uh, meeting amazing people like yourself and uh the people that have kind of uh the community that's surrounding how you and i actually met as well and so
0: it's been a it's been a fantastic um, few years of being here for sure. Okay. So good. Now you are a musician and um, in some ways love brought you here. So tell us a bit about <laughs> your your journey as a musician and also your family circumstances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, well, when I was, when I was about 19 or 20, well, I grew up, I grew up in, in kind of a standard traditional church environment where there was lots of music and, for me, the goal was always I wanted to be behind those drums because that seemed like the coolest part of church to me, just about <laughs> the guy that got to play drums at church, which was cool. So when I was 13, 14, I just started playing and playing and playing. And and uh, by the time I hit 18, 19, I kind of knew that I wanted to pursue that as a, as a career. And so um, through a lot of just v- varying relationships and circumstances. I found myself m- moving up to Nashville, Tennessee. I was, in, I was born in Northern Alabama, grew up in Northern Alabama in a little town called Huntsville, um, known for space and NASA and all that kind of good stuff. But I moved up about an hour and a half north to Nashville, which is the home of obviously country music, but it's also the home of the quote unquote Christian music industry. Um, if you can call it that <laughs> not always a lot of Christian about it but there but there's but that's that's what it is so um, the, so the Christian music, and so I grew up listening to quote-unquote you know contemporary Christian music and artists and and so I was chasing the dream to go up to Nashville and and meet some of these guys and and get the chance to play with them and play for them and and um, so yeah so for the probably a good eight uh, eight years, a decade or so of, of my 20s, I spent touring around all throughout the states, uh, it took me to various countries um, around the world. And it never brought me to Australia, but um, a touring buddy of mine, a bass player, came over here and was touring with this um, Australian band called Alabaster Box. And while he was here, he ended up actually met Suze and through a lot of different circumstances, ended up introducing me to Suze. Which is my wife, and so we ended up um, kind of talking over Facebook and email and and FaceTime, and for several months. This is back in 2010, and yeah, sure enough, uh, a year after we met, we were getting uh, yeah a year and a half after we met, we were getting married, and she moved to the states, and for the first six years or so, and through a lot of circumstances, I'll just like, well. Um, a, breast di- a breast cancer diagnosis for her in 2015, and um, a lot of our own relational um, turmoil that we were kind of in a really tough spot after about um, four or five years of marriage at that point. And um, yeah, we were, it was just, it was a dark season for, for us. And so um, we lost a little girl in that process as well. And so um, she just said, I need to get home to be with my family she's got a very tight knit family here and so um we just sold we, we literally sold everything we put i mean it, from lawn mowers to cars to like painting equipment i was doing i was painting at the time and um and our house and everything we we sold everything and hopped on a plane with our three little ones or two little ones at the time and um we moved to Brisbane that was in 2016 and we've
0: we've been here since that's so good. Now Philip is something of a, a theologian, a writer, and he has an awesome website you should check out called the insidejob.com.au and we're going to be talking a little bit about why and some of the what's around the insidejob.com.au, but I've been really um, really enjoying Connecting with Philip and working out, um, you know, what our points of connection are. He's mentoring me a little bit, which I've really, really appreciated. So we're developing a friendship, which is just absolutely smashing good. So if you go to the website, theinsidejob.com.au, you'll see that the website has various sections. We're going to be talking about something that's under the writing section. If you visit that site, you'll see it there a little bit later, particularly about prayer. But on the uh, website, it says of Philip that he's no stranger to difficult times in life. Now, he's already hinted at, uh, at what some of those were, and uh, I think you can feel the weight of some of the things he's already mentioned. But I'd like him to explore a little bit more for us some of the difficulties that he's gone through, because it's going to set the scene for our chat tonight about uh, prayer and faith and just life. So, if you'd be willing, Philip, as much as you're comfortable, just to develop that idea of some of those difficulties that you've been through, what it felt like, what it place it took you to. Yeah, thanks. Um, and I, I,
1: I agree. It's been it's been fantastic getting to uh, know you as well, of course, and and building this relationship, um, and the and mentoring. Goes both ways. Everybody I meet, I consider to be a teacher to me, and so it, it certainly is a is a mutual thing there. Um, but yeah, I um, I think I grew up. I grew up in a tradition, church tradition, religious tradition, that for me focused on a lot of the promises of God and there are a lot of passages in um, the Christian scriptures and the Jewish scriptures that talk about that That use that kind of language you know um, sometimes it's proverbs which is proverbs or proverbs not promises it's wisdom not, not guarantees um, but still a lot a lot of times people would, would take a, a verse here or a verse there um, that seemed to almost guarantee a life of, that if, if life was lived before God and with God, that you could just about count on things really going well. Um, and there are moments in life when that is true, and moments in life when it does feel like that. But I found that there's a big gaping hole in the tradition I came from, and in a lot of the traditions I've seen, kind of in the, um, especially in the kind of around the evangelical maybe world, where the dark moments in life, what may be called the dark night of the soul, um, when you've done what's right, or maybe you haven't done what's right, but but particularly if you've done and you've tried to live right, and all of a sudden things just don't. Work out the way that you're supposed to, the way that you were told that they would, the way that you were promised that they would, the way that the guy on the stage said, if you come to Jesus, these are—he's going to take all your pains away. And it's not it's never explicitly stated like that. Sometimes, I guess it is, but but it, it's there. Just seemed to be this big. You have faith, and then in times of difficulty, in times of trouble, um, you just have more faith. You just have more faith, and that's that's what the um, that's kind of the answer. And for me, I think um, that just isn't honest and true to the human experience. And so, for me, a move into a deeper dive into the to the scripture itself um, has really begun to be extremely helpful in that and that type of thing. Um, it's funny that a lot of like through the through the Bible through the Bible in a year type of type of programs often will have you'll read a little bit of the Old a little bit of the New and then there'll always be a Psalm and a Proverb and people get that feeling that oh if you want wisdom you go to Proverbs um, interestingly enough in the Hebrew Scriptures Proverbs is only one slice of wisdom um, and Ecclesiastes and Job Song of Songs these these are other traditions and other ways that say, well, what is it like when life doesn't go the exact right way?
0: Well, that's good because we're in a COVID period at the moment. And for a lot of people listening, maybe lost your job, maybe you have a family member that has suffered or even passed away as a result of the the terrible virus. And, and so, you know, we're going through periods now where perhaps we don't feel like, um, everything's going as it ought to, or if God was being kind to us, it would be much better than it is now. So Philip, you've touched on something very important, because I think a lot of people do wrestle with that question. How do I match up some of the very hopeful and good things the Bible says about the life of a person of faith with some of the deep valleys and difficulties they go through? This is a time really of, um, of anxiety for a lot of people, And I noticed on your website, you you quote American philosopher and theologian Paul Tillich, basically saying there are three types of anxiety, um, fate and death. And uh, a lot of Aussies are are pretty fearful of death. In fact, the University of Sydney um, got an article saying that they think the fear of death probably underlies all fears in the end. But there's also meaningless and emptiness. And you've touched on the book of Ecclesiastes, which really deals... Mm -hmm. A lot with that theme and then there's also guilt and condemnation with which some of us probably experience a bit so sh- should we live a life that's anxiety free do you think or how do we wrestle uh with some of our fears
1: yeah that's really good and and one of the things for the inside job in particular the tagline that my wife and i came up with for that is it's a uh, uh, finding freedom and peace within um and I think, for me, it's interesting what COVID has kind of done uh, and Su- Susan and I have back in 2015 when we hit that um, breast cancer diagnosis and uh, our marriage was kind of bottoming out and I was dealing with a lot of my own um, addictions around um, uh, sexuality and, and uh, pornography and those kind of things. So for me, um, when life began bottoming out, you start. It, what that does? It starts forming. You realize that these these easy answers, this kind of proverbs only wisdom, these promises that that aren't filled out on the other end with the rest of what Scripture has to say about suffering, the rest of what Scripture has to say about um, living life uh, in the real world with a real God and with real complex people, um, was that. That framework that had been kind of handed down to me through that tradition um, began to fall apart because all of a sudden, li- the, the experience of life no longer matched what I was told. It was, it was supposed to look like. And I think what Tillich is talking about there, he's, he's kind of, well, he goes on in that book, it's from the book The Courage to Be, and he goes on in that chapter to say that most of, that these are the three anxieties that are, that are, un, that are sitting below the surface of every human being all the time. But in a moment of crisis, it's almost like when a road begins to form cracks, in it, in it all of a sudden uh, if it's if it's if it's a small enough crack the road crews will come out and they'll just patch over the crack and that'll work for a while but i don't know about here but in in nashville where i'm fr- from and in, in huntsville alabama we get these big ice storms in the winter and these ice storms they would the, the road would expand and all the water would seep in. It would turn to ice when it got cold. And it would leave these cracks in the road when the water would melt away. And before long, after a couple of winters, there would be roads that had been patched over so long, there was hardly any road left over. It was just patch on top of patch on top of patch. And so something like COVID is such a disruption that a patch job will no longer Take, there have been cracks in our system. There have been cracks in our life that have been um, being patched over, and the fear, anxiety, guilt, and shame, um, fear of meaninglessness and purposelessness, um, that's running. And all of a sudden, this structure that we've of whether it's our the superannuation that looks a certain way, whether it's the economics that are going a certain way, whether it's my my confidence in my job, my confidence. In the amount of money I'm making, the confidence in my um, family or my faith community that all of a sudden is is no longer able to meet together. And all, all of a sudden these things that we we can say, oh man, I, I really trust God, I really put my hope in, I trust scripture, all this stuff. And all of a sudden... This is Covid has caused such a a disruption, what I often say a disequilibrium, this this dizzying experience that I no longer know where to even put my feet on solid ground. Nothing underneath me feels solid or secure anymore. And so um, that's begin to expose these massive cracks. and I think that's kind of
0: what Tillich's getting at there. That's good. Now, one of the ways that we um, try and keep patching up those cracks is buying stuff and Mm. kind of shoring up our own personal um, cupboards so that we've got everything that we think we're going to need to write it out. Toilet paper has obviously been a big deal uh, right around the nation. And it it is a sort of a reaction to anxiety to say, well, the way I'm going to deal with this is by making sure that I get all that I can, all the stuff that I can, that's going to sort of shield me from the worst of it. So... So that's one way of approaching it, but another one for a lot of people—not everybody—but for people who have a faith is is prayer. And I guess that the natural reaction in the face of these anxieties and and our foundation cracking and crumbling away is, well, let's pray that God will patch it up and fix it. And yet, when we read the Bible, um, there are prayers, I guess, that are along those lines for sure, but. It's not sort of the only way of praying, is it? it? There are there are other ways that we can approach this, and the Bible has um, quite a lot to say about prayer that sometimes surprises us.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's very interesting. If you look through the New Testament, you find, and if you know anything about first century um, Jewish-Roman... World, um, there was there was a lot of persecution that was beginning to happen around this Christian movement. It particularly picked up in the second, and third centuries, but it was beginning. It was beginning with Nero, and it was beginning, uh, and and even even if they weren't getting facing um, government imp- empirical persecution. Aligning yourself with this Jesus movement was removing yourself from so many of the structural safety nets that you would count on your 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 family safety net because all of a sudden you've, you've you're following this Jewish rabbi who is being claimed to be raised from the dead and and this is a this is a laughingstock I mean there's there's literally almost uh, uh, old satire comic <laughs> drawings of of a crucified mas- messiah on a cross going oh yeah there's your king because the idea of a crucified dead king is uh, absurd and there's actually like political cartoons of making fun of these these christians that they found from the first century and so um um so when when people are walking away from the very safety net and the structures that they are Counting on for their life, and they begin following this. You would think that as these apostles begin writing to give hope and to give to give fervor and to give encouragement to these churches, that there's all this stuff happening, and yet we don't have a recorded prayer that I'm aware of, and I, I did a pretty good, pretty thorough search, where these apostles who are writing to these churches that are in ex- experiencing unbelievable circumstances. Nobody is praying for, not Paul or James or any of the apostles are praying for God to change the circumstances. And I've found that so much of our, at least so much of my, and my experience with prayer in, again, in the traditions that I've kind of come from, and which is a very, very small sliver of the Christian tradition, the evangelical tradition that we, that most people think of as Christianity today is still a very small sliver of, of the history of, of that, of the Christian movement. But still, that tradition, I came from prayer meetings, um, my own personal prayer, how I was taught to prayer, to to pray and to enter into prayer was about me bringing my grocery list to God in a way. And the things that being thankful for the things I liked and the things I didn't like asking God to change,
0: That's good. And it's interesting in your um, uh, under the writings heading and when we're talking about prayer here, you have this great line, I think, where it says the Christ reality doesn't always transform what we see, Mm. but instead transforms, pardon me, the very nature of how we see it. And I think that's what you're getting to here.
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. You got. You got to keep me on track because I can just start wandering off into the deep weeds. Uh, but no, that's exactly the the point I was wanting to make was that throughout the New Testament, there's not one prayer that I found asking God to change the circumstances. Instead, what's being asked for is. Um, He's asking for enlightenment of heart, enlightenment of mind for a new way to see, for a, a new set of eyes. And I feel like so, so much of religion, in, in, in regardless of what season we're in, can be about teaching people or telling people what to see. Instead, I think what the Christ reality is coming to do is to teach us instead not what to see, but instead teach us how to see. It's giving us an entirely new paradigm through which we can see the world. And it changes the very nature of how we see even something as, as difficult and as suffering, whether it's COVID or whether it's breast cancer, whether it's an addiction, whether, whatever, or whether it's a job loss, whatever the, whatever the circumstances, the Christ reality is saying, there is a, a different way of looking at this so much so that at the beginning of, um, I believe it's you can look in my notes, First Peter or say it's either First or Second Peter, and and also James, where where they're they're literally imploring their churches, these young churches, that if if you um, if you enter into these seasons of difficulty and trial, um, yeah, James one two, um, then if you enter these these situations of 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 trial and circumstances you actually enter it and that you would actually be able to see it with and experience it with pure joy when you face trial when you face tribulation like consider it like oh how how lucky am i because of the transforming work that's happening inside of my spirit and it's, it's the the amount of freedom that it's bringing because it's losing its grip on us the 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 fundamental nature of life as we've known it, life as, as the things that we've put our confidence in, uh, as the great Dallas Willard so g- wonderfully said, g- having faith in Jesus is meaning putting your confidence. What do I have my confidence in? Is it my circumstances? Is it or, or is there another way to see this that actually says, no, 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 this, this suffering that you're experiencing, this is your spiritual work. This is what Christ is trying to do inside of you, regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. And so much so that when you find yourself in these difficult points, start rejoicing because, man, there's transformation and freedom that's on the way.
0: Yeah, and the New Testament picks up the idea of um, suffering and trials, Mm -hmm. producing patience Mm -hmm. and requiring patience that produces character, ultimately hope so the transformative journey is so important and as god sees what we're going through the the challenges that philip's talked about even his own personal ones um, god is at work nevertheless in those circumstances to produce something uh, in him uh, that's really quite beautiful and if you meet philip and his family um they're, they're they're beautiful people and it actually shines through so this transformation is not just something that philip Uh, philosophizes about it's something that's done something deeply within him now i'm going to get him to give some wrap-up thoughts um, around prayer he's already um, given us some great insights there and then what i'm going to ask philip to do is actually pray the welcoming prayer for us and then after he's done that i'm going to ask him just a few general questions about um, about where he's been in australia and some things like that but i really want to wrap up this serious time by by letting him give some final thoughts and then asking him to pray that prayer for all of us absolutely i um
1: i think the transforming thing about it, 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 that that's happened for me and that's made such a difference to me is how do i want to say this are our, our, our basic nature, when we begin to experience a difficulty, we begin to experience uh, suffering, when we begin to experience that, the pain of that, of that loss of relationship, the loss of uh, a job, the loss of finances, the loss of security, the loss of a child, um, the loss of health, the loss of a faith, that feels like it's slipping away. Oftentimes I think the thing we want to do, and that's the most natural to do, if you're holding onto something that's valuable to you and it begins slipping through your fingers, the first thing you want to do is begin to grasp and hold tightly to that thing. And I think, in a way, different traditions kind of get at this a different way, but. In the Jesus tradition, he talks so much about, you're going to have to, you're going to have if you want to live, you're going to have to die. You're going to have to die to the old way of seeing things, the old realities as you knew, um, your old ways of, of, of being in the world. And I've been, I've found myself saying recently to people, um, it seems like everyone wants resurrection, but, but no one wants to die. And there's something about the letting go and the not grasping and the not clinging and the, and the holding tightly to life. And even when suffering comes and things begin to change and the systems that we've put so much stock in, they begin to crumble beneath our feet and the last thing I mean the last thing we want to do sometimes is see them is see them go but and so we try to hold on but really what needs to happen it's it's that road that just eventually it actually needs to get fully torn up so that it can be relayed and and when a when a road gets relayed it it never gets relayed smaller a two lane road then becomes a four lane and the four lanes get torn up and become six and they can and they can carry more and they can they can Hold more, and they can withstand more, and they can um, make way and room for more. It increases, and so as we let go of that fear and we let go of that anxiety, one of the things, and even and this is this is probably beyond what the scope of this particular conversation. But even in dealing with addiction, maybe we can do this at another time. But dealing with addiction, so much of the time, where whether we're participating in the addiction, or we're trying to shove the addiction aside, um, it's still a clinging to the addiction. There's still an obsessing over that thing, whether it's pushing it away, or whether it's giving into it. And this welcoming prayer offers a new way of seeing that simply allows, makes space for the difficult, makes space for the joy, and the joyful makes space for the suffering and the celebration, makes uh, room for the addiction and makes room for the freedom so that none of it has a hold on and a grip on us. And so that as we experience these things, we can actually, instead of using all of our energy to resist and to clean, this prayer offers us an invitation to release and to trust God for um, being the provision for what we actually need, which is transformation and freedom. Um, And so if that's okay, you want me to just go ahead? Okay, so this is my, this isn't mine, this is Thomas Keating, and I think he even got it off of somebody, but it's famously Thomas Keating's prayer. And the prayer simply says, Welcome, welcome. Welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and for security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or even myself. And I open to the love and the presence of God and God's action
0: within. Amen. Amen. And if you want to look at that prayer, it's on the website, insidejob.com.au. That's Philip Cox's website. And you can go under writings and you'll see that prayer is listed there. My name's Warren Crank. This is Red Dot Nation that you're listening to. And I just want to finish off with a couple of questions for Philip about um, his experience of Australia, obviously being yeah, a U.S. person who's come here. The question that I'm going to ask everyone in this podcast at some point, Philip, is: um, What's the most amazing place you've been to in Australia? Something that maybe blew you away a little bit. All right. So I, I
1: actually, I don't know the name of the place, but I will tell you. I am a uh, since moving here, I have so grateful to uh, have connected and to be a part of a small, really small. Aboriginal faith community called Dion, which you are uh, uh, very closely connected with now as well. And so um, I down in Bungelong country, I went down with um, the founder of Dion, Billy Williams, and he was doing a speaking engagement down there. And we spent the night hanging out with this guy, Kyle. And the next morning we woke up and we simply went out to the beach and there's this beautiful rock formation. That look—it's it's an echidna coming up out of the water, and there's a beautiful story around it that Billy told me. And we sat out there, uh, and we're both a bit, a bit contemplative type of, type of guys like yourself. And we sat and we had a good forty-five or so minute meditation, just sitting out on the rocks, looking at this echidna, this beautiful rock formation emerging out of the water, and the, and the waves were just lapping up on the, on the rocks there. And I, lo- I didn't—I grew up very landlocked. In, in Tennessee and so the ocean being this close to the ocean is amazing anyway and I love the sandy ocean but I particularly like the um, rocky ocean and so that was a beautiful spot. Also there's a, some great rock um, rocks, big boulders out in Malulaba that we vacation and holiday at as a family and the kids play in the rock pools and stuff and that, that's just a beautiful scene to me.
0: All right, mate. And the last one is you're um, you're part of us now, and um, and you know you have um, Aussies in your family too, obviously. So, what are some of your hopes and dreams uh, for this country? Everyone's going to have probably some different ones, but we would love to hear yours, Philip. Mm.
1: Yes, yes. In, in four years, I've 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 certainly developed a few. Um, in what I've seen for the church, my hope for the church is that we would begin to see the deep connectedness of us all and that we would be able to stop splintering ourselves off again and again and again and and showing all the ways that we're different and instead saying, no, 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 God is holding, the Christ is holding all of us, and we are all a part of this great, amazing thing that is the Christ, and that we would wake up to our oneness with all that is, and we would stop splintering ourselves off. So that's a huge hope, and also that in a huge part of that, um, that First Nations people would be able to come and they would be able to with the fullness of their culture and the fullness of their language and the fullness of their experience and the fullness of their wisdom and goodness as a people and they would be able to be said that they would hear the Christ and hear the church as the, as a voice of the Christ to look at them and say yes a cosmic resounding yes to all that they are and all that they have been and that they would be able to experience the Christ without having to shed their own culture and that they would be seen as, as um, beautiful, wonderful images,
0: faces of, of, of God. That's my prayer for Australia. So good. Well, you've been listening to Philip Cox. Uh, you can check out some of his writings and musings at the website, theinsidejob.com.au. My name's Warren Crank, and thanks for listening to Red Dirt Nation Podcast, huh? And we'll talk soon. See ya.